Beautiful. Good afternoon. Scotty. Oh, mate, you're sounding like, uh, have you been doing some um, phone sex work? Is that why you've got the huskiness in your voice or well, what's what's going on? If only. I actually one, had one a... One, uh, one 900 call Scotty. <laughs> Lovely. I actually had a patient on Saturday say, damn, your voice is sexy. And I said, well, it wasn't through trying. This is the end result of getting my voice back post being choked savagely last week at my uh, my grading uh, seminar. Now, not just once because I'm a slow learner. I got choked by two different high-ranking uh, guys, uh, one with a, a type of loop collar choke and the other with this awesome Ezekiel choke. Good lessons. What? Don't leave your head is- there. Isn't that a case of, hey, tap, tap, yeah, tap, tap? Yeah, I did. I did. Well, I tapped with the first one and um, I actually got out of the Ezekiel, uh, but oh, I, well th- I thought I was good. And, you know, like two, three hours later, my throat starts getting a bit sore because the bruising had kicked in at that stage. And mm. for two days, I basically, Sunday, Monday, I had no voice. And because obviously, uh, as the uh, listeners out there will probably know, I talk a lot. And so the voice was getting fairly strained. Well, that's the problem with this podcast, mate. I'm certainly not going to be carrying your weight. So uh, I'm just going to ask questions and you're just going to have to man up and talk with your husky, husky. Have you seen um, uh, Book of Mormon? I have not seen Book of Mormon. I've heard it's pretty good. There's, yeah, there's a good there's a good line in it. A, I'm gonna man up all over the place. Oh. Uh, you, you should, you should, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> man up all over the place. Well, I understand that's what you were up to yesterday. Uh, t- <laughs> try. Well, it, I manned down for the first round and then manned up for the. the so yeah, first round uh, BJJ, very first ever uh, comp, might I add. So um, well done. Here's my golf clap. But, um, it, it was funny because, you know, you know the, the nerves weren't as bad as I had thought because I'd done a lot of karate competitions back in the day at a, at a higher level. So that had sort of mentally prepped me for a, a little in-house comp where I was like, okay, it's, it's stressful, but it's not too stressful. But uh, sort of leading up to the event, I could I could feel my body starting to race and the temp- sympathetics are kicking in and I'd, I did my deep breathing and that would calm down. But then, you know, you know everything would start to stir up again. Kick off, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was it was funny because it was all that fear of the unknown. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, so I get to the warm up maps, uh, uh, Matt, and um, the guy that I was uh, my opponent in the first round that I was I was so worried about because I'd heard he was really good. Um, we got to talking, and it turns out that I went to school with him, and, and you know we were long term mates from way back. Uh, so um, you know the instant that was sort of like, oh, look, I know he's going to be better than me, and I'm probably going to end up choked, but. Uh, substantially less stressed at that point of time. So yeah, it's stress is it's all about perception. Uh, Fully, I'm gonna, I'm gonna that you know try and envisage the, my opponent as a uh, long-term friend. See if I can uh, mitigate some of that that stress that kicks in. That's a good idea. My first comp, I remember very vividly. I got bounced within 30 seconds straight over the guy's hip. Literally, bang! What the hell? How did I get here? And up again because he, he was much better at his takedowns and I went into aggressively giving him all my body weight. Got up, started again. He did it, bang. Like I went down three times in the first minute before I kind of got my wits about me. And fortunately for me, that one ended in him being choked face down on the mat. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't going my way, I tell you. 
before we lose too many more listeners who aren't interested in BJJ at all, this is a prelude to the, the conversation of the day, which is all about energy systems and mitochondria and DNA inheritance. But uh, yeah, one more story. I think you'd appreciate this because it does highlight how, at my core, I am a little bit of an asshole. And um, the, the guy that I had in the in the second round is um, we trained together, so like I, I, I knew him. Um, and he mentioned, um, uh, um, you know, earlier in the week that he had a really sore neck uh, and he tapped out in his first round from neck pressure because his neck was quite sore. So the first thing that I, I did was just to try and crank his neck as much as possible because I wanted to win. I, had, I was like, I know there's a weakness there, buddy. I've got insider info, so I'm going to capitalise on that. Um, but the, the, to his credit, um, and this is, uh, I think, something that's, that's uh, going to sort of prelude into the conversation about mitochondrial energy systems and DNA inheritance and all that sort of thing. Um, I had a, um, what do they call it? Uh, is this, I think it's just like a fist choke or the knuckle choke. I don't know the technical yep. term for yep. it. Uh, basically burying a fist in one side of his, his neck and then um, yanking on the collar on the other side to try and close down. So this guy was going blue in the face and I was tugging and punching into his neck as and I'm pretty strong and I was doing that as hard as I possibly could which probably means my technique wasn't great but hard as I could for 40 seconds uh, and sort of 10 seconds into this I'm thinking he's got to go he's got to come on tap 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 and he didn't um, and it was an amazing um, ability to function and uh, at sort of a low oxygenated state um, I was definitely you know putting some pressure on the, the arteries going up to his brain because he was turning a, a beautiful shade of purple. Um, but it was it was interesting watching how people can still put out a fair bit of energy uh, in, a, in a low oxygen state. Whereas for me, I have got bucket loads of strength for about 15 seconds. And then as soon as I get into that low oxygenated state, I say, Bang. Yeah. I, I turn into a kitten. <laughs> um, and which is so yeah this is the interesting thing so my because um, uh, I saw a paper uh, a couple of weeks back and I think you you posted it on your Facebook page and I, I saved it because I thought oh that'd be a good one to talk about mm. um, but it was showing that um, uh, new findings uh, sort of going against what we traditionally knew that um, the mitochondria, mitochondria, which is, you know, if, if people have been listening to this podcast for a while now, you should know what mitochondria are. The powerhouse. Cell, powerhouse of each cell. So, yeah, energy production was originally thought to be a uh, predominantly maternal inherited thing. Uh, and that is something that I always thought to be the case. My dad was a boxer back in the day. Uh, so he could put out high energy for days, uh, you know, 10, 10 rounds, 15. And this is, you know, old school boxing when they went ridiculous lengths. Um, but uh, I, I've just never had that sort of cardio, um, much more of my, sort of my mum's energy levels, which is high, but then bottoms out quickly. Mm. Um, so, and then when I finally read that uh, perhaps we inherit some mitochondria from, from dad, challenged the uh, original thoughts on on how that stuff works i loved it that's my rant yeah take it away well how is daddy's genes affecting my energy uh it's it's a little how's it it work well i looked at it and i read the uh the the clickbait cash line on it and went wow my goodness this this takes the biscuit everything that we've built kind of science on for the last 50 years has just been blown out of the water and mm. sadly, like with the breast biome, 
you know, these oh, things are oh, never, yeah, it's never quite as exciting as it seems. So, yes, there is now evidence to show that that we are inheriting uh, DNA from from the father. But it's mm. more in a kind of chimeric, there was a, 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 a trippy sort of accident that occurred along the way and, and some of the DNA got messed up in there rather than it being, look, we've just been missing this whole thing all the way along. And so in some people's systems who happen to have some very interesting difficulties in the midst of their kind of the pregnancy, uh, some of the, the male DNA actually gets in there and activates and switches on in some of the cells. So it's not even in all of the cellular lines. Now, I was kind of right. kind of hoping that, that this might be true. And uh, like my mum doesn't, again, have the same degree of energy powerhouse and I have a fair bit more. So it doesn't really explain a lot of things. And I sort of hope that hmm. my kids get kind of more my energy. And, and without offense out there, my wife doesn't have the same energy output that I do. Um, she's hmm. got a lot of stamina, but she doesn't have the same brute force and ignorance that I do. And so I kind of hope that my girls get some of that kind of oomph and, and, and mm. strength and power that, that came through on my side. Now, maybe it's not the, the DNA from the mitochondria that did it. And again, this is kind of where the, the human being's excitement uh, really gets interesting because you've got that mitochondrial DNA, which produces all the energy everywhere in the body. And then you've got a whole lot of energy and there's an interplay between the mitochondrial DNA and the uh, nuclear DNA for yeah. the production of the energy complexes. And so it's not really as reliant only on the, the mitochondrial DNA uh, for pure energy production as one once thought. Further to that, mm. you know, regardless of whether it's, it's dad's DNA getting messed up in there or mum's DNA only, if you get like poor production of, say, coenzyme Q10 or PQQ or, uh, you know, you don't have enough ribose, you're in a whole world of hurt regardless of how great your DNA actually is. And so one of the big things that I've been looking at this week, which is why I mentioned to you about the idea. So I've got this great new word. If people out there will have heard of it and some won't, D-ribose. And D-ribose is my new favorite mm -hmm. thing. I've started to take it today as it first arrived. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, really, really useful for decreasing ischemic damage and reperfusion injury. So areas of the body that have had a decline in um, oxygen supply will have a decline in mitochondrial function. And as soon as those areas mm. get a big flow of um, oxygen from the blood supply coming back, the mitochondrial start ramping up their activity and they leak like we spoke about last time. And all that leakage releases massive amounts of oxidative stress and that just damages everything in this massive cascade and, and we get what's called a reperfusion injury. So, you know, back mm. about 91, the medics were doing some testing on uh, people who were going to have, uh, you know, surgery for ischemic heart disease, etc., and they were looking at uh, testing what would make them perform better, and so unsupplemented people were taking about ten days to actually recover from surgery post ischemic heart disease, and mm. with deribos at about three point five to five grams uh, dosage, they were taking one to two days to recover. Wow. Okay. Okay. Jeez. So that's huge. Absolutely huge. And so what it appears to be, and, and this one gets really trippy for me in the grand scheme of things, and I found it more exciting than, unfortunately, whether my dad's DNA is actually in my mitochondria. But mm. <laughs> that's funny. The, the 
<laughs> the effect of it and the importance of it not only affects the mitochondria, but it changes the way I started thinking about a whole bunch of different diseases, including things like gout. So when people start overusing their their energy so they're not replenishing enough because of something like mm. poor sleep or overstress or over outputted what mm. starts to occur is you can't make enough uh, ATP quick enough out of the the normal citric acid cycles so what the body does is it takes a molecule of ADP or adenosine diphosphate and a molecule of AMP adenosine monophosphate and jams them together and you get a molecule mm -hmm. of ATP out of it, but you start losing the purines, the uh, the riboses that make up your uh, your DNA and your adenosines, etc. Now, right. in okay. those situations, what we think of as gout is, oh, look, this person's overeating rich food, including things like beer and wine and alcohols, so rich alcohols. Alcohol, you've got to keep in mind, is non-thermogenic. So it gets burnt while producing no muscle energy whatsoever. So basically, it causes you to lose and block the citric acid cycle and the electron transport chains. Hence, you feel worse the next day and you've got all those pains and aches all over the place. But mm. you basically start chewing through your ATP, have nothing to replace it and you've got to keep making energy. So you start jamming your ADP AMP together and you start losing purines, mm. which is what we see in gout. So all that excessive inflammation in the joints and the tissue and the aches and pains is most likely that we've lost massive amounts of our energy production because we were trying to survive. We've got a spill out of purines that is being lost to the cycle and that we can actually mm. fix a lot of this by increasing ribose in the system which is a really cheap supplement that you can get all over the place. Okay, fascinating. Because the moment you uh, said like ischemic uh, conditions or mop-ups, I, I straight away thought, you know, stroke, yeah. uh, concussions, or, or absolutely nitty-gritty. But but um, I mean, that would have any impact from uh, compartment syndrome in the in the arms or leg. All the all the. Geez, that sounds like a. Um, uh, uh, almost a cure-all. Well, it's, it's kind of one of them. It's one of those really important things along with CoQ10 mm. and PQQ that just make the mitochondria work. And as everyone out there might be hearing at this moment, I'm really excited about the direction that mitochondria are taking me in my kind of studies because if we don't mm. actually love and nourish our mitochondria, we just start creating oxidative stress all over the place and anything can get damaged at that moment. Now, if that's like nervous system tissue, well, you start getting TND, transneuronal degeneration kickoffs going on. And so mm. you can mm. get, you know, muscle spasms and clonus and all sorts of horrifying things at that moment. Now, if we support the mitochondria more effectively, we can actually decrease the amount of suffering the human being is actually doing, like post-exercise, which is why I sent you the, uh, the thought mm, about getting straight into the HBOT, filling up with ribose, a bit more carnitine, some coenzyme Q10 and PQQ. Now, PQQ, just in mm. case anyone out there is wondering what I'm talking about, is a, a really interesting type of antioxidant derivative that's part of the coenzyme cycle and is actually considered to be stardust. 
It's actually extraterrestrial huh. in origin. And the suggestion is, is that we got this extraterrestrial stardust kind of blowing up in a, um, like a, a solar storm or a meteorite or something. And it punched in and it, kind of interacted with like a single cellular organism in the primordial soup umpteen billion years ago. And it's actually mm. what helped kick off the ability for our systems to increase their uh, complexity at that moment in time. And without it, we, we wouldn't be the interesting creatures that we are sitting here rationalizing, says the brain. <laughs> Magic stardust. Yeah, I loved it. It's been the coolest that's, thing that's I've awesome. read. <laughs> so, so just... Just so I can get the mechanism in my head right. Yep. Um, so in the event of an ischemic crisis where mm-hmm. there's a uh, demand for energy that's not being met Correct. through um, poor nutrition or whatever the case yep. may be. But um, at that point in time, you go from the normal mechanisms of creating ATP uh, to the equivalent of getting a semi-truck and a normal car to run into each other to create a mangled supercar that is a bit energetic well, um, but the consequence of that is is damaging the molecule and then ultimately but the the what it's doing is actually making atp it's just making out of a really inefficient method so gotcha when yep. when you're doing it in a non-oxygenated fashion you're building up lactic acid which is damaging to mm. the system as well but further if you don't have the building blocks you take whatever you've got the stuff that you mm. want to actually keep it's sort of like an investment you can kind of eat your capital or you spend the the money you made from the capital well mm. in this case we're talking about the human being actually spending their capital so they've got nothing to replenish and at some point you know it's going to get bad Gotcha. So ischemic injury, lack of supply to the area, you're going to break down the surrounding tissue to keep the area as a whole alive. Correct. Than- Correct. Okay, gotcha. Now, now what seems to occur, say, in, in like stroke or, you know, uh, a blockage is that you get a nidus of, of damage that the cells die. And around that nidus, you get a, a ring of um, hibernating cells. So originally, we mm. thought all those cells had died. But as it turns out, those cells are actually pretty well in uh, a sleep mode and they can be brought back to life. And that's what occurs. Mm. That's the area that gets damaged when you get the oxygen supply back. Now, if you pre-dose the person with ribose... Mm. the oxidative stress and leakage doesn't occur. Now, ribose is shown and is considered by some of the research to be the um, kind of the rate-limiting step for tissue to generate mitochondria. So mm. it, there, are, there are specific um, genetic conditions that are, are showing that if the um, – production of ribose is really poor in, in the uh, fetus and, and therefore the infant, the muscle mm. tissue is really, really low energy and low mitochondrial content. And that mm. this can actually be helped by treating with uh, the, the, the ribose. Now, interesting. at the same point, coenzyme Q10 and PQQ are also massively important for energy production and help mm. shuttle off energy through the, the four complexes in the mitochondria. And if you get mm. starved of uh, coenzyme Q10 and then leading on to ubiquinol and PQQ, you actually mm. start to leak energy uh, and leak 
uh, electrons creating the oxidative stress and damage. And this is where uh, and, and what they consider the negative impacts of things like statins appears to be and why we get... I was just about to bring that up. So the, the, the yeah, statins interfering with the... Uh, absorption of CoQ10 from from dietary supplements. No, affecting every. Not there. So what it what a statin does is it actually blocks an enzyme called HMG-CoA, which is the major rate limiting step in the production of coenzyme Q10. So you ah, can okay, gotcha. you can get around the problem by supplementing coenzyme Q10 mm. consistently and preferably in the form of ubiquinol. My preference is actually taking uh, a combined mm. supplement that actually has the ubiquinol and straight CoQ10 because they do slightly different things. And you kind of want both because mm. some of the theory about these things occurred because we went, oh, coenzyme Q10 is a really good antioxidant. We need lots of antioxidants to soak these things up. Now, the mm. answer is we don't. We need building blocks for the electron transport chain and the bucket brigade. So you don't need excessive amounts of antioxidants. Every time we've tried treating with high doses of antioxidants, we've basically mm. started killing people is ultimately what it comes down to. All the experiments mm. we've done in the last 20 years, high dose vitamin A for the cancer, uh, sorry, the smokers rather, Mm. ended in, in the, the study being abandoned early because we were actually killing them quicker. What occurs when you put large amounts of excessive antioxidants in is you actually blockade the normal processes such as the NF-kappa-B and all of your natural antioxidant molecules. Now, mm. your naturally endogenously produced molecules such as superoxide dismutase, and uh, several others are actually much mm. more powerful. They're like a million free radical soaks per second per enzyme versus like vitamin C, one, coenzyme Q10, mm. one. So we don't want them to be out of the, the normal range. What you want is plenty of them to make the cycle operate because if the cycle is operating you can keep producing energy and you can keep the mitochondria actually working to provide the neuron and the tissue to to, to function and so mm -hmm. the damage occurs when the mitochondria are failing and nothing is keeping that cycle working because the body will do whatever it can to protect you anyway. So as soon as it starts to fail, it goes to its fallback, less efficient mechanism, and then it goes to a, a lower level of crap service still right up mm. until it gasps its last breath, so to speak. So gotcha. you need... So um, what's the mechanism? So if that's the mechanism that is occurring, uh, let's say for, you know, uh, CoQ10, and uh, uh, is it a similar one for D-ribose? Like um, why are we running short on D-ribose? ribose um, in our sort of natural, you know, healthy everyday diet. Um, ooh, I like the way you put that healthy everyday diet. <laughs> yes. Well, I, yeah, I wanted to give you a suitably. Uh, yeah. so let's, uh, let's, let's give me a soapbox that I can stand on here. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's rule out the obvious ones. Like, well, if you're eating Maccas three times a day, yeah. then of course you're going to be fucked. But yeah. um, let, let, yeah, so if you're, um, you know, living a, a reasonably healthy life. Yeah. Um, what, why are we falling short on D-ribose? So there's a bunch of different reasons. D-ribose is actually produced naturally in the human body every day, and it comes from food, specifically mm -hmm. from animal sources of food. So 
Nice. Okay, so you can produce it from anything that's got glucose, but from a mm. dietary factor, deribose comes from your eggs, chicken, fish, shellfish, etc., in the most high uh, amount. And then the body makes it out of glucose, and it's part of the pentothiphosphate pathways. Now, it simply comes down to things like if I'm overstressed, overexerting, and I can't produce enough because it's a rate-limited thing. You can produce a certain mm. amount. Now, mm. if you are more tired and poorly sleeping, so stress, mm. mesencephalic hyperactivation, when you're meant to produce a 1,000 molecules and you only slept half the time, so you only produce mm. 500 and then you did 800 units of work for the day, you're going to mm. get into debt. And as soon mm. as you start getting into debt, you start having to compensate and then this becomes a slow moving downward spiral mm. that no one comes out of. So that's a case of um, the body's doing the right thing, but we're genetically designed to thrive in everything except modern. Very life. different. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. absolutely. So, the, so we the know curse that of burning the candle at six ends is uh, is is why we need to supplement with these rather than a um, lack of absorption. Correct. In our diet. And the benefits gotcha. of it is as a five. Um, molecule sugar, five carbon sugar, it doesn't affect insulin, it doesn't affect blood sugar. So people with diabetes out there and things like type one diabetes will not mm. be harmed or damaged in any way from taking this. And especially mm. in something like uh, autoimmune type one diabetes, where they are quite likely to have reperfusion injuries and, and uh, mm. energy production issues, deribose might be an absolute godsend. Now, I haven't read enough on it saying this, but logic says that, uh, you know, someone who's got uh, diabetic ulcers and is getting poor blood supply to the extremities, these people are going to get a real kick, quite literally, out of putting deribose back in to make the mitochondria work at a much more operative level. So, Interesting. Um, well, at, sounds, at this moment... He, I mean, it comes back to sort of like anything that supports mitochondrial health is going to be good for you so i mean there's you can rattle off a whole bunch of conditions from depression stroke diabetic ulcers autoimmune issue i, I mean I, i'm having trouble thinking of a single thing where deribose wouldn't be helpful that's exactly what i've uh, read so far um there isn't any situation and it won't harm you apart from well look if you are a really efficient producer and you're sleeping really well and you're not overflogging yourself with exercise um you might not need it and then you might lose some money by throwing 50 bucks a month at something mm. you didn't really need. But where a lot of the research actually has come in from is from like endurance cyclists, endurance runners and bodybuilders. Bodybuilders are really good for this stuff because it gives them more muscle pump. The more mitochondria you have in your skeletal muscle. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Chasing that pump. <laughs> So, yeah, unlike, um, say, creatine, it doesn't give you the same sort of pump volume that you might do with, uh, um, you know, taking that in. It's more uh, you get thicker muscle fibers and greater strength gains, et cetera, by, by sticking it in. Now, why I'm mm. interested in it, uh, obviously, if, if, if people have listened to some of the earlier podcasts, I mentioned that I actually have a congenital valve fault in my heart, and this has caused mm. a degree of uh, cardiac enlargement and a degree of um, 
it's not quite an aneurysm, but an enlargement in the the vessel size of my aorta as it comes off the heart. Now, mm. none of that situation, to my mind, sounds like a very good idea. And mm. fundamentally, if I can decrease the risk of ischemic loss in any of my cardiac tissue, make my cardiac mm. tissue work more efficiently, provide more mitochondrial substrates, and I get more puff, one way or the other, look, I'm signed up. 50 bucks mm. a month is a minimal price to pay for that one to avoid. Uh, you know, I face the fact that I'm likely to have surgery at some point in the next 10, 20 years. But realistically, I want to dodge that bullet until they are so crisp and pristine and, you know, micro laser mm. nanobot fixing my heart and stuff that, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sort of hopeful that because, you know, we're bucket loads better 20 years from 20 years in the past to where we are now. So if I can mm. kind of miss another 10 years, 20 years of development and actually get to a later point and still really be in good condition, that's got to be a much smarter way of um, kind of running through it. And again, you know, dad didn't have any uh, problems uh, with his heart mm. at, at, at kind of his passing. And so hopefully his mitochondria that, that might have been mixed up um, could could show up as a positive. <laughs> Fingers crossed for you. Mate. Yeah, yeah, thank but, you. Uh, as far as a um, an, a, another one, another reason to boost mitochondrial health, um, specifically from a cardiac health point of view, is not muscle tissue the most dense mitochondrial muscle fiber we've got? Yes, it is. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's exactly why they were looking at how do they make it work more effectively and, and why my thought process is let's, uh, let's kick into that. And especially continuing on sort of in that way where, you know, um, Coenzyme Q10 and, and the mitochondria are so important for things like atrial fibrillation and uh, thinning the blood. And so mm. the thought process for, for coenzyme Q10 is it actually can have a blood thinning effect. Um, mm. And it's some of its effects on things like vitamin K's ability to affect clotting factors. So, you know, the coenzyme Q10 appears to actually inhibit warfarin but it doesn't have the same negative impact on um some of the other like plavix or or the the newer mm -hmm. model um blood thinners so just just as a disclaimer out there if anyone's listening to this who's taking uh warfarin uh just be aware that there could be some interactions with coenzyme q10 and you need to be kind of thinking about that if you're deciding to take it speak to your healthcare professional um, don't just go oh that sounds like a great idea it might be it might really be the right thing but if you're on warfarin your Double blood may get a bit thick and you could have a stroke mm. or something bad happened so don't just run off and self-medicate so in summary yeah um, everything that we want to do to boost mitochondrial health uh, so I mean D-ribo sounds like it's uh, a phenomenal supplement yeah absolutely uh, we want to look at coq10 and then um but getting i mean deribose everything from if you've got any sort of cardiac uh issue running in the family yep you want to be on that any sort of uh, you know stroke or jesus alzheimer's yep. dementias in the family correct to be on deribose that's exactly my if thoughts you're involved with exercise in any way shape or form you want to be on deribose like it's uh, that's that's good yeah, and the research actually yeah. on CoQ10 shows that um, it may be helpful against neurodegenerative diseases such as ALS, amyolateral sclerosis, Huntington's, uh, and different forms of ataxia, um, and that it uh, that these. Um, these diseases actually show a decreased level of CoQ10 in the, the patient's muscles. Now, 
I don't mm. really know whether that is a cause or an effect, but uh, when they actually uh, supplement um, these people, including people with Friedrich's ataxia, um, the mitochondria start to improve and their behaviors start to improve at the same time. Fascinating. Yeah. So I found that quite cool. Um, there's a, quite cool. a particular oh. compound in the mitochondria in Friedrich's ataxia called frataxin. And you actually, when you supplement these people, they actually get an improvement in or a lessening, it appears, of the amount of uh, frataxin that's actually being produced. And this is just with oral supplementation. Um, of note, there's also a, a bioenergetic effect of it, of CoQ10 supplementation in uh, Parkinson's disease. And you can restore um, the, the complex one of the mitochondria to normal function by supplementing it in these people. And you get largely normal energy output, which means that you're, if it's a mitochondrial deficiency that's producing some of the symptoms and, and the muscle shaking, so to speak, which logically makes sense, mm. uh, you might actually get some improvements at least for a period of time. And, you know, let's face it, at the end of the day, Unless the person's on warfarin, I cannot harm someone with coenzyme Q10. It's an essential for life nutrient. It's it's mm. the definition of one of the vitamins, and it's now kind of being considered it because while you can produce it, a lot of people are shown to be unable to produce enough of it over the course of their life, hence we need mm. to supplement it. And so assuming they don't have warfarin in the system and therefore it's not being interfered with, supplementing coenzyme Q10 in a Parkinson's patient is a very safe, very effective way of trying to delay the onset of any of that degeneration. Beautiful. Mm. Um, final final question, mate, and then I'll let you go. So um, <clears throat> the one thought that, I, I, again, supplementing with something that your body produces, um, do we run the risk of... Uh, your body seeing that there's a surplus of D-ribose running in your system and then naturally starting to shutting down its own production of D-ribose so you're then forced to take D-ribose for the rest of your life? Does not appear to be, no. So Beautiful. all you're doing, you're still producing it. All you're doing is topping up the, the gap between how much you should produce if you had it perfect. Mm. Gotcha. And yep. uh, again, there seems to be, to some degree, age-induced, stress-induced, crappy blue light source at night-induced, too much mm. uh, cell phone uh, and screen mm. time-induced. So all the things that um, help us not repair properly mm. cause the issues. So yeah, it's going to be very hard to supplement to the point where you've got a surplus of D-ribose running around your system yeah. with modern-day stressful life. That's what the uh, the actual um, the research that I've read says. You know, let, let me put out my disclaimer. I'm very open to the fact in next week, next year, etc., research will come out that, that validates everything I said was total bunkum. And I'm going to sit here and talk to you and say, hey, you know, like a year ago, uh, we had that conversation about PQQ and ribose, etc. Look, all crap. Uh, total lies. Yeah. I'm really sorry about that. And I'll, I'll be big enough to admit it as soon as I find something that's more valid and more reference and researched, you know. Well, I'm, that's that's I, just staying up with the research. Yeah, basically. So anything's possible, but currently, you know, ribose helps make deribose nucleic acid. So it mm. is an essential for life nutrient that you cannot 
live without. Your body is going to keep producing bucket loads. As you age and decline, you will make less of it. So if you keep it up, you'll produce more energy, you'll keep your mitochondria working at a higher level, and you should suffer less. Well, in that case, I might add that to my list of supplements and see if I get superpowers. Yeah, good, 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 good. That's uh, that's absolutely my hope. To be fair, you know, I'd like <laughs> I'd like to get less puffed out. I can still keep up with the twenty-something-year-olds in in my jiu-jitsu classes, but I note that I still suffer more afterwards than they do. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I'm lucky that you know I'm rolling at 6 a.m., so it usually seems to be dad o'clock. <laughs> so the 20-year-olds uh, aren't really there yet. They're, they're all having a sleep in while people with kids are uh, up and doing the, doing the work doing before that. things get crazy. Yeah, I like that idea. Mate, beautiful as always. Thank you. Love speaking with you. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, I think we'll let our listeners go now. Okay. Um, beautiful. All right, guys, stay tuned. I don't know what the next one's going to be, but it'll be something cool.